0: This is Brennan covering the Pac-12. I'm Mark, I'm covering the Big Ten. And together we make the Any Given Saturday CFB podcast, giving you live, up-to-date information, week recaps, and week previews for the weeks to come.
1: All right, gentlemen, welcome into the Any Given Saturday podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Brennan. All right. Hey, let's, uh, you know, we, we started talking about this right as we recorded. I really want to get into it really quick. So tell me more about this Clay Helton story. So yes. this morning, I'm seeing I'm seeing two different articles uh, yeah, I'm from two you, very legitimate
0: sources that are yep. saying two completely different things. So what happened this morning was Adam Maya, um, an SI insider for uh, USC, broke a tweet saying that Clay Helton has been fired and will not be retained. And all hell broke loose after that. Um, pretty much the actual insiders uh, from 24/7 and stuff like that, and LA Times got a got in contact with um, uh, USC athletic department try to get some answers and they said that nothing has been confirmed yet and that uh, the only person getting fired that day or today would be that reporter that leaked that. Um, I, i has been crazy. Uh, and then later on SI said that there's no uh, proof that he's getting fired. So it's just been a crazy day. I guess we'll find out tomorrow if we don't find out tonight that Uh, he's either staying or he's getting uh, fired. Yeah, I mean, because, like, USC, to dismiss
1: Clay Helton in fourth season, that's from Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated aren't people that just go off whims. And then the LA Times, who's actually in the state with the USC football team, is saying that he remains the football coach for now. And I was just reading this article, and – Multiple people multiple people familiar with the situation confirmed at the times that no decision has yet been made on the embattled Trojans coach. But the fact that Helton's status is yet to change following the official conclusion of the regular season does not mean that Helton is officially safe. So Yeah, uh, he
0: actually um he was at a visit today with the wide receivers coach Kerry Colbert, um, at a recruits wide receiver recruits house when all this broke out and they posted a picture with with the family and everything like that. So it was kinda weird. I don't know if it's like meant to be time like that, but uh, definitely a interesting situation developing at USC, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Also, uh, Texas let go of their OC and, and defensive coordinator, and then the top can the two top candidates for the OC at Texas uh, job right now are LSU's coordinator and then uh, Graham Harrow out of USC. So uh, pretty much, if, if Harrell goes to UT with Herman to be his offensive coordinator. I don't see them retaining hell, there's no need to because the only thing that was good about this team this year was the offense, and that's because of Harrell. Uh, it's going to be definitely interesting um, to see I, how that turns out.
1: I don't, I don't know. I think if uh, – you know, because today, December 1st, actually started like the 14-day visiting period for recruits. Yeah, it just opened up. Yeah, you have to make a decision – and, and that's, that's what
0: everyone said that's why all these other universities are making decisions which we'll get into when we get into the big 10 so we'll start with the pack 12 since we started with the pac 12
1: yeah it's just i'm sorry, like we were talking about it and then you just said let's record and
0: i really wanted to hear what you had to say on it um yeah I, like like i said uh, when we first started this i don't think clay helen's going to be retained um i just think there's too much um apathy fans out there that they don't they, they've given up on the program and the ones that you still do have, if they retain them, they're gonna most, most, more than likely, most of them are gonna be gone, um, and it's just gonna make it for a bad situation. I just think the thing that that really is questionable is the fact that even if they are keeping them, they haven't come out and said that. Like, I mean, if you think if you're gonna keep the guy, you'd come out and say, hey, he's returning, just like they did with the uh, uh, coach out of Arizona, Sumlin. Yeah. Literally, literally after that loss, the AD got on and said, hey, we're keeping Sumlin for another three years, like. There's that way. There's no question to what's going on in the offseason and how this team's going to go. Like I, 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 that's what I don't get. Is if you are retaining him, then why can't you come out and say something? Yeah. So I just not even like
1: specific. Uh, Barry Odom out of Missouri got fired.
0: Um, A lot of people got fired. Uh, yeah. Ole Miss coach got fired. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He he's gone. Um, Boston College coach got fired. Lane Kiffin's in, uh, getting vetted right now by Florida State. He's yeah, he's
0: been getting vetted for the last couple of uh, weeks.
1: And then who was the other one? There was a rumor flying around. I just saw it about him. Arkansas
0: is the other team that's getting linked to Lane Kiffin. So. Yeah, he's definitely going to stay in the south if he does leave because that's pretty much where his roots are at, and I think that's where he feels comfortable. Because um, if you remember, he started off in uh, Tennessee – Yep. And, and then I uh, went to the. I think he went to the Raiders afterwards. Or he was at the Raiders before, uh, and then went to USC. And he was only there for a couple of years. And then uh, he's been at FAU for the. Yeah, he was like Pete Carroll's prodigy, wasn't he? That's what everyone thought he was going to be. He he didn't come in till, um, he didn't become a part of USC until after Pete Carroll left. But he was the coach oh, okay. after uh, Pete Carroll. So USC brought uh, Lane Kiffin in to save the recruiting class for that year in 2010. Mm-hmm. And he did, but he just um, just didn't pan out too well at USC. But he's been doing pretty good at FAU. Um, he his dad's his biggest mentor, so that's pretty much what keeps him going. Uh, his dad's out there helping him and everything. So, oh, here's twenty four seven sports rumor:
1: USC leaning towards keeping Clay Helton, and that was today at eleven a.m.
0: Yeah, that's that's been going around for the past couple of days. Yep. Like I said, it's it. No one's come out and said anything. That's the biggest thing. Is like if you're gonna keep them, come out and say you're gonna keep them. Subway fans do not have to be interested anymore. If you're gonna get rid of them, then say so you're gonna find them. You know what? You
1: know what this reminds me of, honestly, is the Mike Riley situation in Nebraska because like these rumors were flying around after for a while um, after the Iowa loss. He got trounced by Iowa, and it took us until I think Wednesday, but later to find out they waited till Wednesday to announce Scott for, or. To announce Mike Riley being fired because they are already in agreements with Scott Frost. So, I yeah, don't know. so Maybe I think they could be working on your old boy
0: Urban out there at Fox. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I think the the biggest thing is um, the contract. I think I, I can't remember what what date it is or what it was, but if they wait till a certain day in December, um, it's one last year that they have to pay out for his contract. I think it's like December fourth. They wait till then. But That's a long time into that recruiting period to wait. Exactly, and and so I think that's – and especially when you, your uh, offensive coordinator is being looked at for Texas offensive coordinator job, it's just they they need to come out and say something, and they're not. And I think the thing that hurts them even more is that um, Mike Bond, the athletic director, was out in Ohio this past thing for Thanksgiving because he still has uh, his family and everything out there in Ohio because Ohio, he was the AD at Cincinnati. Uh-huh. So he was supposed to be coming in uh, tonight on a flight um and they were supposed to have a team meeting at 5 30 on the pacific time so that's why i said there could be some news coming out while we do this but who knows um, yeah
1: i mean just keep your twitter open keep looking for it and uh, let me know if something breaks i got espn open i got 24 7 open i got a lot of stuff open looking for this news to come out of usc because i do expect an announcement either way to come out either today or tomorrow as far as uh, where usc is going to land but like i said all right so Got into a little bit of the Clay Helton drama. I'll be definitely interested to see how that pans out the later this week. Um,
0: so final week of the regular season. Yeah, rivalry week. I uh, I was tweeting about this. Pretty Jesus. sad. I figured out how to how to give you my Twitter info, so if you want to be a part of the Twitter account, you can. But yeah, that'd be great. You know, it's actually pretty cool. You get a lot of insider information.
1: Yeah, dude. I I'd, I'd be down. I mean, as long as. I mean, you're following – yeah, I'll be a part of it. Send me the info. So let's get into it, man. Uh, Friday, right. November 29th, Washington State, Washington, the Egg
0: bo- or the Apple Cup, my bad. The Apple Cup. Yeah, don't get that wrong. <laughs> apple Cup. Uh, who'd you, so, who did I pick? Who did you pick? You picked Washington. And I picked Washington State. Okay, I just uh, want to get that on record. Yeah. Um, before we get into the stat breakdown, we're going to we're gonna go over something, you know. So one, one thing I, I – I didn't put him to account and I should have was Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator for Washington Huskies has dominated Mike Leach's offense. And he's been pretty much the only defensive coordinator uh, consistently to have an answer for him and just to dominate him. Yeah. And for some reason I didn't listen to that. And uh, yeah, I picked Washington state hoping they would win, <laughs> but uh, now that that defense definitely got trounced all
1: day uh, or that offense got shut down. That defense was solid all day. I actually got to
0: watch a little bit of this game. Uh, yeah, j- Jimmy Lake's actually one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation. He just ha- – he pl- I mean, he's just not very uh, well-known outside the Pac-12. He actually had a uh, chance to go to New England with Bill Belichick, and he turned it down. So,
1: Well, that was dumb.
0: Well, he, I mean, he just enjoys being Washington Husky. I guess. but he. So his biggest thing uh, j- with Jimmy Lake is his defenses are all about – Showing you a different formation and a different read before the snap. And then once you snap it, it giving you something completely different. So you really can't uh, prep for it when you're doing your pre-snap reads. But uh, yeah, he's he's a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, w- once you kind of get to know uh, the insiders that know him, he's actually very uh, well-renowned and spoken of uh, within the college football committee. So, uh, we'll get into the stats So we'll start off with the Washington State Cougars uh, Anthony Gordon, 48 of 62 308, no touchdowns, two interceptions uh, Max the Bulldog, Borgie 10 carries, 50 yards, one touchdown uh, He actually looked pretty good this game Even though his stats don't really say so Uh Then we got Washington State receiving Renard Bell, nine receptions, 87 yards And, uh Washington state won the uh turnover battle the turnover margin. Hmm. Uh oh night hang on. They did not, my bad. They did not. Washington did. Yeah, I was waiting for that. But uh yeah, then we uh, let me get into the uh Washington Huskies. Jacob Easton 15 of 22, 244, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh Savon Ahmed, 16 carries, 85 yards. Hunter Bryant, six receptions, 96 yards. Uh and then go into what you were saying there, Mark. No, I was just saying I'm I'm actually surprised this game wasn't
1: closer to being an in state rival.
0: Um No so you so Washington the past few years has absolutely blown out Washington State, so it's actually closer than what it's been. Yeah, I I get that, but I mean I, I don't care what your records say and um actually
1: remind me. When my wife gets here, so my wife will be getting here, you'll probably hear dogs barking later, but whenever my wife gets here, remind me to bring up I'm gonna bring her on for like two seconds. Cause I want her to tell everybody about the bet that we made and you are going to laugh your ass off. And whenever the bet goes down, I need you to be the enforcer that this, this bet has to happen. So you're going to be the enforcer on it. But what I was telling her and some I've always believed about college football is it doesn't matter about your records or, you know, what happened last year or what's happened in the last five years. You know, when you get these in-state rivals or, you know, the border, the border wars or the Texas Oklahoma's and all that, it doesn't matter. You know, I expect the game to be close. And, I mean, we you see it across college football. You, you Across any in-state rivalry, you see it that these games are close. The games are really good matchups. And this is actually one of the ones that surprised me. I was expecting Washington, Washington State to be your typical Pac-12 rivalry game. You know, 55-54, down to the last minute, who has the ball last, and, you know, which defense uh, trips over their own feet on a deep coverage. So, I was actually surprised by this game of how much defense I saw in it. Um, it was a good played game. Uh, it was actually a lot of fun to watch. One of the very few Pac-12 games I watched, and I was actually enjoyed watching it.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, like I said, this um, is always blown out, Washington State. Uh, so we'll go into our next game, the Colorado Buffaloes and the Utah Utes. We have uh, the Utes coming out on top, 45-15 to 15 to secure the South. Uh, now we're we'll going to our stat breakdown. We have Colorado's passing with uh, Steven Montez, 17-26, 157 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Alex Fontenot, 13 carries, 49 yards. Uh, LaViscus Shanault four receptions, 43 yards. Uh, he also had 25 yards rushing. Now we're we'll going to the Utah Utes passing attack with Tyler, the Heisman candidate, uh, Huntley. 14 and 17, 165, 2 touchdowns, no interceptions. Then we got Zach, the rumbling, stumbling moss with 20 carries, 88 yards, one touchdown. Um, Utah's receiving was pretty much done by uh Brent Cayuth. Uh three receptions, sixty three yards, and two touchdowns. Kid's just a beast, uh not only receiving, but rushing. Uh just dominant out there as a tight end. Uh then we got uh stat out of this game we have uh, Oh man, what was his name? What was his name? What was his name? Bradley and I, there we go. Bradley and I um need one more sack to tie the record of Utah, tied it this game and then need one more to break it, didn't get it. So uh hopefully in the uh championship game he can break the Utah's uh all time record for sacks out of a player, which is actually pretty remarkable. Like I said last week, if you think about all the players that have come out of Utah defensively, uh, this is definitely Kyle Whittingham's best defensive team. uh, Best team all around, actually, that he's has in his tenure. Um, He'll even admit it. uh, Definitely look like a really good team. Could definitely be a playoff contender. Uh, Should be coming in at number five this week due to Alabama's loss, if not number four. Um, One thing with this game, too, is Colorado, the score doesn't show up, but Colorado actually looked pretty good this game uh, to start it. Uh, I think this team is definitely going to be a, a a pretty good team next year, especially if they can get a competent quarterback in there, not someone like Steven Montez who shows shines and then also just looks absolutely terrible in some instances. Well, I don't know, man, because like Steven Montez did set records out there in
1: Colorado. Um, definitely the best quarterback Colorado has seen in, in a
0: while, so I don't really agree with that statement. Um, well, it's the best quarterback they've had, uh, records wise, without a doubt. But he just—he's been so up and down this year. That it's just been awful. They, when he plays good, they beat teams like Washington, and they almost beat teams like USC. But when he plays terrible, like he did here after the start of the game, they get blown out by Utah. Because uh, Colorado definitely had a chance in this game from the start. They looked pretty good. The score doesn't show but they looked pretty good. Well, uh,
1: what I will say though is. Utah is a college football playoff team, 100%. We'll get into yeah. that at the end. They're 100% a college football playoff team. Um, and I, I, I don't think you want to take this game to kind of tell you how Steven Montez is as a quarterback or how Colorado is as a football team as a whole. Um Utah's done this to teams day in and day out, except for when they played USC in the Coliseum. So, uh, I don't know. I Just I don't agree with that statement. I think Colorado will be a good football team next year, but I don't think that's literally what be, I just said. I don't think they're going to be like a, a ten and three team. I think they're going to be a six and six team. I think this is what you see. No, I, what you I think get. they
0: go. I think they go eight and four next year. I don't put me on record for that. Mel Tucker's <laughs> got a uh, got this team going. He's a defensive coach. Uh, defensive coaches, in my mind, do better at coaching than offensive coaches because they understand the game and they understand how to. How to get it because the defense wins championships. Yeah, but and, I, I do not know. And another thing with this game, too, I tweeted this out a couple of times. The Pac 12 reps were absolutely terrible. So there was a um, scuffle. I don't know if you watched this game, but there was a uh, scuffle, and um, Steven Montez, I think, got sacked and by Bradley and I. And Bradley and I was trying to get up, and he uh, kind of got pushed by Colorado Blue and so he pushed back. And then uh, one of the Colorado linemen went to go punch him and hit him in the helmet. And the refs threw uh, a couple flags for that. But they ended up calling the penalty on people that weren't even really involved in the situation. And the people that were involved didn't even get penalties on them. Uh, and They didn't even eject the linemen that punched them. They didn't even call a penalty on them. So the plexiglass are just terrible. Uh, all night they kept calling the wrong uh, numbers for the penalties, the wrong people. And then not penalizing the actual people that did the penalty. So, well, I mean, that's honest, just yet again. I don't think that's real, real,
1: like, new news, man. I mean, that's something that you and I have said Pac 12 refs are absolutely garbage. Well, yeah, I
0: know. That's what I'm bringing up is if you would stop coming in and out of the conversation, you would understand. But,
1: dude, I have a son that keeps getting up, and I was dry. <laughs> All right, so just. All right, be. so
0: now we'll go to our Civil War with the Oregon State Beeves and the Oregon
1: Ducks. Yeah, see, I
0: mean, this is exactly what I'm saying. In state game. Close game twenty four ten with Oregon. I told you it'd be close, and you were like, "No, Oregon's going to blow them out." Eh, and well. this game, this game actually should have been a lot closer. So Oregon State should have had fourteen points. Um, they had a rushing touchdown, and then there was a hands of the face called on one of the linemen for Oregon State, which didn't need to happen. It was the dumb penalty, huh. caused them to get the field goal. So then they lose ten to twenty four. Oregon with the win. Uh, we'll go into the stat breakdown. Yeah. So Tristan Gebbia twenty six to 40,
1: 243 yards wish he would have done that at Nebraska when he was there. Um was that where he came from? Yeah. Yeah, he was a, yeah, he left when uh, Mike Riley left cuz he's a little pansy. Um Jefferson 20 carries of 81 yards for a touchdown. Uh and then you had two more rushers, Pearson Gebbia with 25 yards each and then BJ Baylor with 6 yards. So, a good rushing
0: attack for Oregon State, uh, coupled with a pretty good passing attack. They showed up a pretty good offense, but yeah, I don't know what happened to Jake Lund. Um, I, I, I didn't really look into that. Uh, I'm going to assume he had an injury or something for the game yeah, and that gave Tristan Gabby at the start. I mean, but give it to him. I mean, he he, was he looked really good from the, from what I saw. He actually looked pretty good. I mean, this is the Pac-12 game, so I had to wait for the highlights to come out on YouTube to watch it. But um, mm-hmm. uh, watching the highlights, he looked pretty good. Uh, Herbert actually came out and looked pretty good, too. Uh, 18 of 30, 174, one touchdown. Travis Dye, Dara, my bad. Twelve carries, ninety-one yards. Uh, then we got Johnny Johnson, the third, four receptions, thirty-nine yards. So not a lot of receiving yards across the board. Uh, just pretty much spread out evenly. Well, I mean, Oregon State won the battle,
1: like on offense. I mean, they had more offensive yards than Oregon did. They were moving the ball more than they were. But where where you're going to see the separation is just the explosive plays from Oregon. I mean, that's how Oregon's made their money over the past. You know, ever since Chip Kelly was there, uh, they, you know they're big on the offensive plays. I think it really sets up an interesting matchup next week uh, out there in Levi Stadium against Oregon and Utah. Uh, I've actually been talking to a lot of people on Facebook about this matchup specifically of Oregon and Utah. Yeah, hey, we'll, we'll we'll get into that uh, later on. The, the big implications gonna that be... are going to happen with that game yeah. is ridiculous. Like the, literally, that one game is going to decide. The college football playoff it's yeah i'm super excited for that game i can't wait to watch it
0: it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game so yeah so oregon coming out on top um we both had utah for the last pick and then this pick you had oregon i had oregon state because i was running riding the uh, train but uh another thing with oregon state is the uh, head coach jonathan smith i think you can put a uh a strong argument that he should be coach of the year in the pac 12 because this oregon state team could easily be eight and three right now but just uh, close games that they haven't come out on top on.
1: It, it, that's that's going to happen. So it's going to happen
0: with any new coach.
1: It's going to happen with any kind of regime changes. You're going to lose a lot of close games, and I'm starting to slowly accept that as a Husker fan. Is You're going to be in close games, and you're going to lose them. And it's heartbreaking. It pisses you off, but just
0: you know, stay yeah, the this, course. This is an Oregon State team that no one really picks to, to win much. But, no. 5-7 um, is nothing to scoff at for that Oregon no, State and, and, team. And, their their conference um, win losses I think pits them in hang on here one He's up again two three they're like fourth or fifth in the Pac twelve with, with their conference record so I mean that's actually pretty damn good they're tied with a bunch of teams but um so next we'll get into Notre Dame and Stanford good game um, this actually was Got a pulled good away
1: game. at the end that yeah. That's all I could really take away. Sorry. My son's up. My son's growling. Yeah.
0: So, we'll, uh, get uh, we'll into the stats mics. on this one. Let me go put him down again. But, um, let's go back to where we were at. Yeah, this the stanford Notre Dame game, uh, I watched the beginning of it. And I was actually watching the first half. And I was like, holy cow, you know, Stanford might actually have a chance here. And then, uh, like you said, at the end of the game, the Notre Dame just kind of pull, pulled away. Um
1: yeah, it was just it was the pure talent, the pure better team just pulling away Notre Dame.
0: Yeah, so we'll go into the stat breakdown with uh Notre Dame's passing. Ian Book, seventeen and thirty, two fifty five, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh rushing we got Tony Jones Junior, fourteen carries, fifty yards. Uh receiving we got Cole Kment, five receptions, seventy seven yards. Uh, Stanford's passing. Davis Mills, 28-46, 276, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Clean game all around the passing. Uh, rushing, we got Cameron Scarlett, 13 carries, 43 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Michael Wilson leading the Stanford receiving with 10 receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. Um, just a clean game for a for, uh, passing attack. Uh, fumbles not so much, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's where Stanford lost the game was I mean, they turned the ball over twice in order No turnovers throughout the entire game. So that's that's where the game was won and lost in my opinion because I mean, you left 14 points on the board at that point. You're you're uh 38-45. It's a lot closer. You okay over there?
0: Uh, it just tastes really bad.
1: Why is it so warm? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, put it in the normal fridge like a normal human being. you see
0: my beer over there anymore? No. No. Well, I, I don't, don't mind live in my here, fridge. So <laughs> I am just <laughs> saying. All right. So now we'll go into the uh in-state rivalry game with the Arizona Wildcats and the Arizona State Sun Devils. Um pretty cool for Kevin Sullen. I mean he he knew he wasn't going to have a winning season. So um let Khalil Tate let Khalil Tate, Jesus, get the start of this game. His last senior game, his last game as a Wildcat. Uh, Going 22-38, 228, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, Rushing attack, Khalil Tate, 11 carries, 78 yards. And then J.J. Taylor, 14 carries, 48 yards. And then receiving, we got Jamar Joyner, seven receptions, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Looking like a beast out there. Uh, Now we'll go into the Sun Devils, who got one of the best true freshmen in the nation with Jaden. The ice in his veins, Daniels, twelve a uh, twelve completions, nineteen attempts, hundred and four yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh Eno Benjamin just absolutely rumbling down the side with thirty four carries, one hundred and sixty eight yards, two touchdowns. Uh Brandon Ayuk, five receptions, sixty seven yards. A uh, fun fact about or fun uh thing about him. Did you get to watch this game? Yeah, I watched it start
1: to finish. Of course I did. It's a did you watch
0: did you watch Ayuk's uh, hurdle over a dude? Yeah, yeah. That, that was, was pretty cool.
1: So we watched
0: – me and the wife, we watched,
1: like, the first half downstairs, and then we went to bed and watched the second half. And uh, it was actually kind of a boring game for being a Territory. Yeah, I cup. fell asleep almost. Um, because for the past, like, I think four or five years, I think is what they said, um, a team that won the game would, had at least 41 points. So – it was a very low-scoring territorial cup. Uh, that third quarter, ASU really pulled away. Um, the score is actually a lot closer than this game was, believe it or not. Uh, Arizona did have the lead at halftime at 7-6, to six, but that offense found its rhythm there in the second half and really kind of took over. And, uh, you know, Benjamin, just a big day, really kind of solidified himself as an ASU legend in this game. 34 carries, 168 yards, and two touchdowns, like he said. And
0: he had two fumbles, though. So I mean, he, he had a case of the fumbles. Is that a case of the fumbles last three or four games? So yeah, he's got yeah. to Kind of work on he, that, he but. Got, he got the but uh, Jack Jones, USC transfer, uh, two interceptions this game. And then Merlin Robertson, one interception. Uh, pretty cool interception by Merlin Robertson. Not really Khalil Tate's fault. Just bounced off the uh, receiver. It looked like, and then, or he tipped it. One of the two, and then. Merlin came down with it and started running away with it. Uh, just some breaking news out of ASU. Um, her married gets rid of the... Uh, her married would will not be bringing back Rob Likens, Charlie Fisher, and Donnie Yantes. Yantes. Um, they're going to have Derek Hagan will work with the wide receivers. Kevin Mowai will work with the tight ends, which I, NFL dude will play with them on the Jets. And then Dave Christensen will coach the own line and Sean aguino will coach the running backs wait, um, wait,
1: is he keeping marvin lewis
0: yeah i don't think you can get rid of like a, a mentor like because yes. he's not like an actual coach he's just a mentor he's on like the john robinson lines. did yeah yeah so that's he has the headset test. on yeah that's the way uh uh john robinson is to uh edit over john yeah john robinson was a is a this is like kind of where you see a usc is just lost touch with everyone he was a really famous usc coach that went to the rams But
1: Um, what I saw from ASU, uh, total classlessness. Is that a word? Classlessness? Yeah. From U of A. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but before the game, they came out and scuffed up Sparky on the field. Uh, Like, they had a really cool midfield logo for this game. They had the outline of the state of Arizona and then Sparky's giant head. U of A came out and the whole team just, like, drug their cleats through it and all this, like, all before the game. And then ASU kind of kept their composure – uh, throughout the entire game and just kind of let the scoreboard reflect. But what I can say from seeing this team on Saturday is ASU is going to be damn good next year.
0: Yeah, I think I think they'll, they'll, they'll probably be like a 9-3. I think they can go 9-3. Yeah. I think that would be like kind of like the ceiling for them. But, uh, to go back to what I was saying, uh, Christensen and Aguino will co-coordinate for the bowl, um, and then Edwards is in search for his next coordinator um, going into this off-season. But yeah, I could definitely see uh, ASU being a um, nine and three team next year as their as they're stealing. I just think the uh the biggest thing is just getting that offense right. Um, the defense has been kind of shaky at times, so they can kinda of work with that. But he's got Herman Edwards got some NFL players out there to help with the offense. Uh so it should be yeah, I think I think Herman Edwards is going in the right direction with his staff. Um it should be interesting who they bring in this offseason. Um you, just, you
1: talking like recruit wise?
0: No, 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 for the coaching staff. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. They're, they're in search this offseason for the new uh, offensive coordinator. So, it should be, it should be interesting. And then uh, they have a really good uh, freshman QB. So, he's only going to get better as time goes on.
1: Yeah, uh, unless he gets that sophomore slump, which I'm really hoping he doesn't.
0: Um, well, I mean, even if he does, the low point they'll have is 7-5 and five again or 6-6. Six and six. Like, it's still not bad going to a bowl. No, nah, I mean, I'll be interested to see who they play in the bowl game. I'll, I'll be –
1: I'm curious to see who they'll play, but fourth straight year, ASU's bringing home the Territorial Cup. Can't be excited. Can't be. Uh, can't be too upset with that. So,
0: yeah. Uh, now we'll go into the uh, Cal Golden Bears versus the UCLA Bruins. In uh, this one, you chose UCLA. I had Cal. Ah, gross. Uh, Cal comes out on top, 28 to 18. Chase Garbers, um, definitely the win factor for Cal When he's in there, they're definitely going to have a chance to win, if not win. Uh, if he's not in there, they're definitely not. Uh, he went going to the stat breakdown. Uh, he went 17-29, and 29, 230 yards, one touchdown reception interception. Uh, Christopher Brown Jr., though, just an absolute beast. I don't know if you got to watch this game because it was on pretty late, but, man, watching that dude run was awesome. Uh, 18 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns.
1: Damn.
0: I did not uh, see this game. So, yeah, so I was kind of going in and out in the beginning, but then at the end I got to kind of um, watch a little bit more, and he just looked like an absolute beast. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. He's just awesome dude. Uh, then uh, Makai Polk, four receptions, 78 yards, one touchdown. Now we'll go into UCLA's stats. We got DTR with 23 of 39, 278, one touchdown, one interception. Joshua Kelly, 19 carries, 76 yards. Uh, Devin Asani, uh, eight receptions, 99 yards. Um, DTR looked like he was playing injured to pretty much the whole game, and then, um, the more hits and sacks he took, the more he'd come out. Uh, just did not look too well. Uh, the kids got a lot of fight in him, though. I you can respect that, and definitely looks like he has a promising future. Um, after this game, there's a lot of rumors. Uh, that Chip Kelly was going was gonna to part ways with UCLA, kind of like how it is with Heldon right now. And then um, today they they came out and said that there's no plans on Chip Kelly leaving. Uh, and then he said, uh, how does he feel about uh, next year? And he pretty much said, oh, I, I think we'll be good or I think we'll do good. And it, just, it just doesn't sound like he has a passion for coaching anymore, so I, I don't know how that's going to go for him.
1: Yeah, but, I don't. I don't see Chip Kelly leaving. Oh, uh, is only a second year out of Cal? So I don't or out at UCLA. I, yeah, it's I only a second year. Anywhere. I, I uh, yeah, I mean, I see uh, him staying there for like two, three more years. If he doesn't write the shit by then, then I can see him hopping. But I don't know if
0: he'll stay for another uh, two to three years. But they had uh, their AD that uh, hired him is stepping down, resigning this year. So next year they're bringing in a new AD, and so it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that goes. If he starts off how he did this year, then it's just not going to work out well for him next year.
1: Yeah, he's, he's. I mean, that's also like I understand with the a the AD turnover, but Chip Kelly, if you're a brand new AD, I don't think there's a better coach that you want to come in and see there uh, heading your program than Chip Kelly. Because yeah, he doesn't have a really good track record at
0: UCLA right now, but he'll get, he'll get that ship right. I don't know if he will. Be honest with you, he's he's just out of touch just really out of touch with uh everything that's going on so now we'll go into the big 10 since we can't well well, before that let's
1: talk no we do have predictions we got a big game we got the pac 12 championship we got oregon utah Oh, okay come on now you shut me up earlier because i was ready to go on a rant about i'm excited about that game man i'm ready to see that i'm ready to see an explosive offense go up against that tough tough defense of of utah that's what i'm excited for I don't know about you. Yeah, I
0: got I got Utah winning.
1: No, oh, yeah, I mean I, I hope Utah wins because here's my question: if if Utah wins, are they in? Yeah. Okay.
0: That's why USC is ranked right now.
1: So, obviously, Utah's ranked six. Oregon's ranked fourteen. I think Oregon jumps up a little bit. Utah is obviously going to take over the number five spot. If they don't, there's definitely a bias against the Pac-12 in the committee, and it will show with Alabama losing. Um, but here's the argument against it, kind of going outside of our conferences, is Oklahoma-Baylor. So Oklahoma-Baylor obviously had that amazing game two weeks back on Saturday Night Football. Oklahoma had mounted a big comeback, give Baylor their only loss. Baylor just trounced Kansas. I mean, just made a mockery of that Les Miles team. I think they won like 45-6, to and now they have a rematch in the Big 12 championship game if Baylor wins, they avenge their only loss. Utah has not avenged their only loss, but now you're talking about two one-loss conference champions. Same thing with Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a one-loss team, and if they win, so who gets
0: in over Utah, Oklahoma, or Baylor? Because those are so, what, those are the three
1: teams that will. So they, down they, to.
0: they actually broke this down on the UCLA game, I think it was, or the Utah game. I can't remember. I think it was the Utah game. So they'd all pretty much be. Um, somewhat even at that point, and then what it goes to is you're at a conference schedule, and Baylor's out of conference schedule doesn't get them in. Utah's it, doesn't either. The Utah's is stronger than Baylor's. Uh, BYU, Northern Illinois, and who else? B, BYU is is a stronger opponent than anyone that Baylor has faced out of conference. What's Oklahoma's out of conference schedule though? Uh, I'd have to look at it, but Oklahoma. If Oklahoma won, they would probably take that number four spot. But if they don't win. Because you're going off, out, out of conference schedule. If they don't win, then Utah would take it. Because Baylor's out of conference schedule. By statistics and by reasoning, is weaker than uh, Utah's. Because Baylor had like UTSA, Stephen F. Austin, and then someone else. Let so me see. It was, I'm, I'm actually I'm going to look this up because I am curious. Ba- Baylor's was just terrible. Like it, it it doesn't help them at all in an argument too. So their out of conference was Houston, South Dakota,
1: and UCLA. So, I mean, that's not terrible. Okay, so then they are talking about someone else then, if it was in Baylor. Because UCLA, I mean, that's a Power 5 win over UCLA. I mean, as as terrible as UCLA's team has been, that's a Power 5 win, and they beat them 48-14 in Pasadena. Uh,
0: now, yeah, yeah.
1: I think Oklahoma, they're ranked seventh in the nation right now. They're going to go into the Big 12 championship game, probably ranked sixth. And so Utah and Oklahoma if they both win then it's going to be interesting and then I think this is where people really start getting upset and start calling for eight teams. Or at least 6 cuz at 6 No, teams, you,
0: Baylor Baylor's out of conference schedule is Stephen F Austin, UTSA and Rice. Yeah, so so you, but Baylor doesn't get in if if they win the if they win their conference game Baylor doesn't get in cuz their out of conference schedule is weaker than Utah's and then U- Oklahoma has a stronger out of conference schedule than uh, but I mean, at that same point, though, I mean, yeah, Baylor has the one loss, but they avenged the loss. So I mean, yeah, but the because the, then they're equal. Equal at that point, they're both a conference champion with one loss, and then so it's by turns by what they say they go to the out of conference schedule. And Baylor's out of conference schedule is way weaker than um, Utah's out of conference schedule. Because the only thing that Stephen F. Austin has done is beat Duke, and that is in basketball, not football.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, that's you. It, 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 it Like I said if, if Oklahoma wins Then they take that Number four spot If they don't win Then Utah takes That number four spot and That's That's the um, That's pretty much The breakdown on that But I got Utah coming out on top oh. Muted still I'm not Oh
1: <laughs> So I don't know I, I just I, What I see is I obviously see Utah Winning this football game but what I really see is it really creating pandemonium because Oklahoma's going to be Baylor again. And it's going to be a competition between Oklahoma and Utah. And I think Oklahoma has the sex appeal to get in just because they're Oklahoma. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, even with uh, Alabama losing now, I think uh, if Utah doesn't get in, there's a chance for a really good bowl game to happen for them anyways. But uh, I definitely think that they should be uh, part of the talk. And they should be in, but that's just uh Your Pac-12 bias? No, that's just how I feel. I think Utah would beat Oklahoma any day.
1: Yeah, I I, I think Utah is the better football team. Um, overall, I think they have the better running. They have the better running attack. They have the better defense. They have the better. They just have the better team. So it, it's going to be interesting. It's really exciting to uh, kind of predict and watch but what i think ultimately is going to happen is i think oklahoma is going to get in over utah. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: All right, now we'll go into our uh our Big 10 talk with uh starting off with Iowa and Nebraska. Uh We both had Nebraska for this one, so it kind of sucked with that, but um, they
1: covered they covered the spread.
0: <laughs> uh then we got so we got Iowa winning 27-24. Um Nate Stanley for an Iowa, going 11-24, 99 yards, uh, no touchdown, one interception. Um, Tyler Goodson, 13 carries, 116 yards, one touchdown. Uh, and then not too much from the receiving attack, dude, not many passing yards for Iowa. Uh, Nebraska passing, on the other hand, though, we got uh, Adrian Martinez, 10 of 18, 50 yards, one interception, Luke McCaffrey, one of one. Thirty-nine yards, one touchdown, no overtile, one of three for eleven yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, totaling out to a hundred total passing yards for Nebraska. Um, Diedrich Mills, twenty-four carries, ninety-four yards, zero touchdowns. Uh and then just not much from the receiving attack yet again cause, uh not very much passing going on in this game due to weather, but uh, definitely uh, a rushing attack game. And uh, Nebraska just did not want to finish the game. That's pretty much how that ends.
1: Quite the opposite there. Hold on there, pal. Um, actually, we, we started out really slow. We went into halftime down 24-10, to 10, and we finished out 27-24. The third quarter – um, I think really showed uh, the heart and the willingness of this football team. Like here, check out this play. If you guys, um, if you guys know what it is, it's J.D. Spielman's or uh, my bad, Luke McCaffrey's uh, one uh, one touchdown pass. Here it is. It, it was basically like he rolls out to the right, comes in, throws a beautiful pass, touchdown, easy run.
0: Uh, I think I got to agree with you or not disagree with you on finishing. Uh, You don't play a game to go into overtime. You play a game to win. Uh, And Scott Frost looked fucking retarded at the end of the game. Uh, If I'm a Nebraska fan, I don't know how I could be a fan after watching that. Then every press conference he has, it's the same excuses. Oh, I inherited a bad bad, uh, group of guys. Well, you know what? Mark Rule inherited a sexual assault scandal-ridden team. And look what he's doing at Baylor. So don't give me that bullshit excuse of sorry-ass coaching. If you're going into the Power 5 conferences, you're going to be a Power 5 coach. You're not going to be a freaking Big 5 coach who has all the people that don't have much talent, but he can coach them up. Like You've had two full years with this team. There's no excuse on why you can't win games, especially beat your biggest rival in Iowa. I just... I'm tired of hearing Scott Frost say the same things in every press conference because it's sorry as shit. If you can't coach, don't coach. If you can't handle the players, cut them. That's why you're the freaking coach.
1: Okay, so one, he has cut them. There's actually been a lot of players, Tristan Gavia, being just, I think, the big example we've already talked about on this podcast of leaving the University of Nebraska because he came in and Scott was like, if you don't want to be a part of my culture, and then leave, and they all left. We actually had a lot of people enter the portal. They left the football program. They just left altogether. The second thing, if you watch the game, Iowa is physically a better football team than Nebraska. Iowa is nationally ranked. At Iowa's losses. Iowa's losses have come against ranked opponents. Nebraska is down and out. They were a five and six football team coming into this game, and. They should have got trounced by Iowa, and you saw heart, you saw determination, and you saw a team. I saw terrible coaching is what I saw. Jesus Christ, no. What you what what I saw was questionable play calling, yes, but I think that questionable play calling gets kind of fixed in the future when Scott has all of his dudes in. And in this game, he had a lot of his dudes in, and we saw the potential that Nebraska has. Give us two years, we'll be on this podcast
0: talking about a national championship contending football team. I don't think so. I think Scott Frost is fucking sorry as shit right now. And he'll have me buy in when he actually can have an excuse and blame put the blame on him for not being able to coach the players that he has. That's not Mike Riley's problem. It's two years. Two years. Yep. You can't blame Mike Riley after two years. Mike Riley's guy. Mike Riley's guy. Mike Riley. Yeah, but look what look what he did. Let's go back here. After you clicked on the thing. Oh, sorry. Twenty four carries for ninety four yards. He carried the team. What do you mean? Yeah, he's terrible, huh? Yeah, but look at what else you got. You got nothing going in there. You can if Nebraska fans are gonna be fine with him saying, Oh, Mike Riley's guys are the reasons why we're losing, then you 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 can't you're not a fan. How you gonna say you're a fan? Yes, yeah, Scott Frost is your your freaking golden boy, but some point someone's gotta put him in check. Otherwise he's gonna keep making excuses and losing games and blaming other play other players and other people than himself. So I think this next year, if he
1: goes five and seven again, then the question falls on if he can rebuild this program. There's already questions about it. Well, you can question him all you want, but inside the program, I trust him. I I've, I look and I see this team, this five and seven team. I'm more proud of this five and seven team than I was of Bill Callahan's nine and four team that went to the big Big Twelve conference game, because you're seeing a complete regime change. What you didn't see and what a lot of people don't see outside of the Cornhusker program. Is can you turn that out off? Thank you is the complete dismantleship so Sean Eikose was our athletic director before Bill Moose. He literally took trophies out of the trophy case. He took national championship trophies out of the trophy case because he said that wasn't here when I got here. That's not who I am. He completely dismantled the Nebraska corn huskers. Now if you know anything about the Huskers, we're a very tradition based program. We have the longest sellout streak. We have the best fans in college football. We have arguably the greatest football coach to ever coach for us, still a part of our program in Tom Osborne. We also have, I think, the six most wins in NCAA history. We have five national championships, 46 conference titles, three Heisman Trophy winners. I can go on and on about the tradition of Nebraska, and that guy tried to take it away. So Bill Moose and Scott Frost have to rebuild and re to get those kids from Iowa and South Dakota and Missouri and Kansas and Oklahoma that they want to go play big red football because they want to be a part of the tradition of Nebraska. And that's what Scott Frost is rebuilding. It's going to take more than two years.
0: So you're telling me Tom Osborne said, Oh, it's the recruits fault that I can't win games. You tell me that you tell me that Tom Osborne would say, Tom
1: Osborne took over for a hall of fame head coach and Bob Devaney.
0: That's what I'm saying though. You can't as a coach in a power five conference, you have to take blame when you aren't coaching your players to win games. So what
1: I see, what I see from Scott Frost is he, he it's like the old tried-and-true rhetoric of head coaches that I still believe should be a part of college football. Praise publicly, criticize privately. If you're telling me that Scott Frost is not in that locker room getting on these kids' asses, then your as shit because Scott Frost is getting a fire underneath these kids asses but he's not going to do it publicly because those are his kids He
0: is doing it publicly That's who he blames every time No he blames He's blaming the kids he said he the culture and the, the people of the program And he's saying the recruits are ba- worse than he thought they were Yeah the that's blaming the, the kids The program You're blaming the true. kids at that point no, the kids that not. you coach for 2 years you can't use that excuse for 2 years cuz you know what's going to happen he's going to keep using that excuse every time he loses and you know what's gonna happen? Cornerstone fans are still gonna get be like, "Oh, I'm fucking retarded. That sounds like a good excuse after five years of him fucking going five and seven, six and six, maybe seven and five on a good year. Come on! They go nine and three next year. Mark my words. I don't think they go nine and three. They go nine and three. Move on. To the I, next I give I give them eight and four at most, and that's if Scott Frost doesn't cry baby about it. Yeah,
1: go to the next game, bitch. going I'm, I'm, I'm to Ohio State,
0: Michigan. I'm done. <laughs> right, go big red. Okay, I'm not saying not go big red. I support the program, but. You can't keep making the same excuse after every loss. Is he making that same excuse when they blow out Maryland? No. All right. Now we're going to Ohio State versus Michigan. Ohio State coming out on top, 56-27. Uh, Justin Fields, 14-25, three hundred four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, 31 carries, 211 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, and Then we got... Garrett Wilson, three receptions, 118 yards. You want to talk about a coach that teaches shitty shit? Let's talk about John Harbaugh. Okay, yeah, I'll get into that. They're in the John same category. But, but Michigan. At least John Harbaugh's going 9-3. John Harbaugh is teaching people how to take people's shoes off. And then we got uh, going to Michigan passing. We got Shay Patterson, 18-43, 305, one touchdown, one interception. Hassan Haskins, 12 carries, 78 yards, one touchdown. Ronnie Bale, six receptions, 78 yards. Um, just a pretty much dominant outing. From by Ohio State, I mean Michigan was close.
1: Like,
0: the fuck you. I know, I mean, I, I actually do know most of these people, but uh, yeah, I mean, the beginning Michigan kind of kept it close, and then Ohio State just kept going, and Michigan just had no answer on defense. No, uh,
1: they they yeah. put put it in the middle. If Why you guys I, can't tell, we're we're operating off one mic because my son's an asshole. But w- what I saw was Ohio State. Got, got the ball rolling early. Ow. <laughs> you smashed your finger, you idiot! <laughs> That'll teach you to talk shit about Scott Frost. Um, he's just not showing. He's a power five oh coach. Oh my god,
0: dude! He's just not.
1: Put it to bed. Let's get through the Big Ten games, and we're getting back into this. We're gonna <laughs> shelf this, all right? Um, I still can't believe you can see the first names. Uh, Microsoft Surface
0: Pro, <laughs> better than Mac. <laughs> what I can
1: say is. <laughs> is Ohio State got the ball rolling early. Michigan tried to keep up. And then I know a lot of people came into this game thinking that Ohio State was kind of at a disadvantage because they're on the road and it's Ryan Day's first big matchup of the big game. But what what I saw was Justin Fields not only being the best quarterback in college football, but also being the most NFL-ready quarterback, aside from Joe Burrow, in in college football. Like He showed a lot of poise out there. And, I mean, these are typical – like, we look at these numbers of the 302 yards and four touchdowns, and we're like, okay, Justin Fields had a day. If any other quarterback in the NCAA put up those numbers, including Joe Burrow, we'd be praising him and being like – Joe Burrow does. What I'm saying is, is everyone looks at Joe Burrow and like, look at this God. And people look at Justin Fields like, yeah, he's going to put up those numbers. And then – Well, what, I mean, the last
0: couple of weeks hasn't really put up that many passing yards. It's been more rushing.
1: Well, yeah, but, I mean yeah, – he, he had a good, he had a good he game. He had an amazing good game. game. He, put the, he put the team on his back. Along with J.K. Dobbins, you know, minus a shoe, fuck you, John Harbaugh, at thirty-one carries, two hundred and eleven yards. Is it
0: John or is it Jim? Pretty sure it's Jim. Jim, yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim, Jim,
1: Jimmy, Jim, Jim. John is still in Baltimore. Yeah. Big win for Baltimore today, by the way. It they, was. They beat the Niners. Yeah, I watched.
0: I watched the. Uh, you watched NFL football? I
1: did not. My bad. I saw the highlight. Jesus, the dude, get NFL Red Zone and watch NFL football. Oh, no, I don't.
0: I don't like the NFL. NFL is not fun to watch.
1: All right. Well, anyway um but another thing that i will say about this game and what i saw from ohio state and it pains me to say this as a husker fan is ohio state's the best team in the country they deserve that number one ranking lsu does not that defense offense everything what do you
0: got so br- kind of breaking news right here for asu football <laughs> i kind of read this before i came on the podcast but i didn't want to really uh go t- too deep into it because just kind of rumors but uh Reliable source, Bruce Feldman, has said that Hugh Jackson has emerged as the uh, top candidate for ASU's offensive coordinator job.
1: Damn, he is building an NFL staff out yeah, there. He is. Good for him. Uh, but, no, Ohio State going to trounce Wisconsin, and they're going to go into the college football playoff, the absolute favorites to win the national championship. So, speaking of um, very snowy, disgusting day in Minnesota, uh, yes, yeah, yesterday? Yeah. Um, And Wisconsin dominated this game from the start. Yeah, they they went into the second quarter down 7 nothing, but just ran away with it there at the end, 38-17, uh, to propel them to the Big Ten Championship game to play Ohio State on Saturday. Um, hey, Let's go to yours, because I need to see his first name. I want to say it's Jake Cone, but I don't want to sound like a retard. I think
0: it's Jack.
1: See, am sure it's Jack. Got a, got a box score here.
0: I like I said, put the microphone in the middle, then you just
1: take the whole thing. Well, yeah, because you're over there fucking tweeter. You're you're tweeter-tweeting over there. So Jack Cohn, 15 to 22, 280 yards for two touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor, 18 carries for – when's the last time you saw him under 100 yards? Uh, well, yeah, exactly.
0: Not for a while.
1: Yeah, so 18 carries, 76 yards for two touchdowns. Uh, Kendrick Pryor – with 32 yards and a touchdown. Um, so the Minnesota – what I what I saw in this game is Minnesota really keyed in on Jonathan Taylor and that rush attack, and they kept him at bay. You know, the two touchdowns that he had were, like, from, like, the five- or three-yard line. Um, but they let Jack Cohn and uh, Cephas just go off on him for 114 yards and a touchdown. Um, just kind of really just ran away with the game and –
0: I think Tanner Morgan is a pretty bad quarterback, in all honesty.
1: Well, if you watch was if you watch Minnesota's offense, which if you've seen one Minnesota game, they talk about it, I think, on the second play every single time about the slants, and that's what they run. They run play-action slants the whole time, and it's worked up until Iowa and Wisconsin kind of keyed in on them, knew that offense because they're in-division rivals, and look what happened. They got beat both times. So, Minnesota kind of like the – they were the fake players in the college football playoff this year. Uh, Tanner Morgan, I kind of like him to like a Tom Brady is where I could succeed in that offense. I could I could go 20 of 37 for 296 yards if I was only throwing the ball six yards. And, you know, I had wide receivers that could cut up and get a lot of yards after the catch.
0: Yeah, I, I just think Tanner Morgan's a, a bad quarterback. And I think if – uh P.J. Fleck can get a, a competent quarterback in there. They're gonna look a lot better. Uh, and then the rushing attack for Minnesota just was terrible, uh, combined for a total of seventy-six yards. Um, Rashad Bateman, top receiver out of there, six receptions, one hundred forty-seven yards, one touchdown. But I, I think, yeah, I think if Minnesota had a competent quarterback, they're not losing. Uh, they're not losing that game, and it's, it's a lot closer than what it is.
1: Uh, it's really a shame too, because you had Bateman um all year who's i think the best wide receiver in the ncaa he came into the season as kind of like the the number one wide receiver prospect in college football and you know his his last season kind of goes to waste like yeah i mean he had he had six six or six catches for 147 yards and that's kind of what i don't he think does. he was the
0: top receiver coming in there's definitely a lot better ones
1: no i mean in the big 10 you know, Maybe in the Big Ten, yeah. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of, I watch a lot of you know highlights on the Big Ten and Rashad Bateman was up there. He was the top guy, you know. He was always at the top of the discussion. Let's put it that way.
0: Maybe for Big Ten, but you got C D Lamb, uh, and then uh, the guy out of LSU who definitely was the top one coming in and has proven to be the top one. and Then you had uh, a couple of Pac twelve receivers up there too. Like I, I, I think yeah, Big Ten wise, yeah, he is in the top and probably overall he's probably in the the top tier, but yeah. I wouldn't say he was the top.
1: Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the rest of these games, not no real big games that happen other, uh, other than the Northwestern one. Yeah. I mean, Northwestern finally getting a win in
0: the big 10 over yeah. Illinois, 29 to 10. Well, I guess uh, we'll go into that then. Uh, okay. Well, you, you went over, you breached through. So yeah. So, uh, going to the stat breakdown, uh, Northwestern six, uh, Andrew, Marty, six, 10, 55 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Holy cow. Uh, Coco Azima seven carries, 123 yards, one touchdown. Ah, golly. Uh, then Andrew Marty thirty carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, what he's not getting done through the air, he's getting done on his legs. Mm -hmm. Uh, then Illinois passing, we got Matt Robinson eight of seventeen, 104. 108. Oh, 108. My bad. Uh, Dre Brown five carries, 17 yards, one touchdown. Uh, just Illinois offense just wasn't out there. Um, they were out, they were out, uh, some of their top players. Um, but they just looked like they, they had no heart when they played this game. Like they, they reached the six and the six win mark and they were happy. Um, so it's just, I think if they come out here and actually play, they, they finish the season seven to five, which is a huge, uh, improvement from last year. Um, but, yeah, they're going bowling regardless. So, I mean, hey, and then uh, Northwestern gets its first uh, Big Ten win. So, hey, none of us saw that coming.
1: No, no I, I didn't see it coming.
0: Um, but I'm really happy for
1: Levy Smith and that Illinois program kind of doing big things out there. And, uh, yeah, I'll, that, another team that I'll be excited to see in a bowl game.
0: Yeah, so next we got Penn State and Rutgers. Uh Close game in the beginning. Like actually a pretty close game yeah, for most of it until yeah. until uh, Penn State pulled away at the end. But granted, uh Penn State didn't play a lot of his starters, but um Rutgers passing attack, Johnny Langan, uh twelve of twenty four, one sixty four, no touchdowns, no receptions, uh rushing attack, Isaiah Pacheco, eighteen carries, hundred and two yards, no touchdowns. Uh and then uh receiving wise, Isaiah Washington leading the team, four receptions, six three yards no touchdowns, Uh, two field goals for Rutgers to get the six points. Uh, Now we're going to Penn State. we got the backup, Will Levis, 8 of 14, 81 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, He's he's more of a uh, rushing QB, so uh, of course he would lead the team in rushing here. 17 carries, 108 yards, no touchdowns. And I have an ad playing. Uh, Johnny, or uh, my bad, Journey Brown. 16 carries, 103 yards, three touchdowns, putting the team on his back. Uh, Johan Dotson leaving the team and receiving, one reception, 44 yards, one touchdown. Um. Yeah, I, I, I was actually kind of worried at the beginning that Rutgers might pull up an upset.
1: Um, I, I, that would have been interesting to me. Uh, but what I will say is Penn State, they're not going to fall off next year because that Levis kid, I just had to look him up. He's a freshman.
0: Yeah, he's, he's really good.
1: And if I'm not mistaken, Clifford's a senior,
0: isn't he? Uh, I'd have to look Sean him Clifford. up. He's a senior? Um, I don't think he's a senior because they haven't talked about him in the draft. Keep going.
1: So uh, they're not going to fall off. They're going to be just like – let me see. He is a junior. Uh, no. He was uh, committed to Penn State in 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19. Unless he got redshirted, he is a senior. Um uh, so I'll be I'll be interested to see um who Penn State is next year, but Penn State kinda strikes me as like a Michigan junior. They're a junior. He did get redshirted. Um wait, no. Junior experienced sophomore. Yeah. So he got he's a sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. No, he's a junior. Okay. So he has one more year of eligibility. Is that is that what that's saying?
0: No, because he's only played two seasons.
1: Yeah, so he's a sophomore. He's a redshirt sophomore. Like he's a junior in college, but as far as the NCAA is concerned, he's a redshirt sophomore. Because he has two more years of eligibility. Um, so I, I kind of see them as a Michigan. Um, as far as they're going to be good, but they're they're going to drop two or three games, and they're going to kind of fall out of the college football playoff. And they play in the same conference as Ohio State, so good luck with that. Yeah, I see, sophomore. Yeah, so Sean Clifford, good for you, man. You got
0: two more – next year will be your last year because you'll get oh, – No, yeah, he, he hasn't been redshirted because his class was 2017, so he came in on 2018. That other site said junior, though. Well, 24-7 is the most reliable, so. That's weird. That's super weird. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see them next year. Um. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – I mean, Penn State is not going to fall. They're going to be a consistent 9-11 to win team. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're gonna be like Nebraska in a year. Okay, uh, <laughs> dude. Oh man, we are. Still I just, coming I, back to that. I just I don't respect coaches that just blame the players repeatedly. But anyways, uh, big news coming out of Rutgers. Uh, we reported last week that uh, looked like all of the uh, negotiations with Greg Schiano had ended. Uh, turns out the New Jersey mayor and his people got involved, and last night got Greg Schiano to come to. Uh, Rutgers. Uh, it's interesting to see how that works out for Pat Hobbs, uh, the AD that couldn't finish the deal with him. Um, and how long was the contract again? Uh, was it six years or eight years?
1: I think it was eight years. Let me look.
0: Okay. Either way, long-term contract. Um, already making an impact on the recruiting trail. Eight years. Eight-year okay. deal. Eight-year deal. Yeah. So uh, already making an impact on the recruiting trail. Uh, there was a four-star running back, uh, Badger Last was his last name. Uh, it's looking like he's gonna go to Rutgers now. Um, Greg Shano is just a well-known name uh, around the country, uh, especially out in the East Coast and the Midwest due to him being uh, at Ohio with uh, Urban Meyer. Uh, defensive-minded, uh, Rutgers is his home. So it's, I'm excited. We'll see how Rutgers goes, but I'm pretty excited for them having Greg Shano. Like I reported earlier, they're gonna have him uh so yeah i mean you you've been very
1: vocal about that so i don't know he might get records up to four wins so that'd be pretty neat
0: oh i i think after two to three years either they're a seven eight win team He might just blame the players so fuck off <laughs> well if you do that as a coach you do pretty well that's uh jim harbaugh yeah dude, i would take a nine and four season right now okay all right, now we got the uh, Indiana Hoosiers versus the Purdue Boyle Makers. Uh, <laughs> Indiana coming. <out. laughs> my my tongue got stuck. <laughs> Indiana coming out on top 44. <laughs> <laughs> 44 to 41. Uh, and A really exciting game to watch. Um, this is a game I wanted to watch. The air attack from both teams. Uh, Payton Ramsey on the Indiana side, 23 of 39, 337, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, then Samson James, 22 carries, 118 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Wap Fillier, probably saying his name really bad. Uh, eight receptions, 138 yards, two, two touchdowns leading that Indiana passing attack and receiving. Uh, Purdue side, we got Aiden O'Connell, 28 of 49, 408, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, Rushing attack, we got Xander Horvath, uh, 23 carries, 164 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Then we got two receivers in Purdue that are notable. Uh, Bryson Hopkins, eight receptions, 142 yards, two touchdowns. And David Bell, uh, arguably their best receiver, nine receptions, 136 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Had a beautiful touchdown. I don't know if you got to see that. Uh, Did you get to watch this game at all? Uh, I saw the overtime. Uh, okay. So before the overtime to get them to overtime. Uh well not to get them overtime. I Think it was a touchdown before that. But anyways, uh is getting hit, just throws it in the end zone and Bell kind of does an acrobatic move to turn back and catches it in the end zone and just look, look it looked beautiful. Uh just an awesome game to watch. Uh shout out to Indiana though, going eight and four this year. Pretty solid record. And then Purdue going four and eight. I mean it's not reflective of how good they are, but Well, I think Indiana –
1: I think a solid win they can take away from this season is they were 8-4, and but those four losses came in conference. I think, you know, being able to run through your um, non-conference schedule as Indiana, because I think Indiana is that team that, like, big five schools or even FCS schools like North Dakota State or South Dakota, they they schedule them to – as a measuring stick and – Sometimes they get beat, so I think Indiana going undefeated in a non-conference play is really neat. And, you know, speaking of a team that went undefeated in a non-conference play, damn near, is Maryland. Putting up a fight, Michigan had to crawl their way to become – Michigan a, State. Michigan State to become, what, the ninth or tenth Big Ten team to go represent in a bowl game. So, big day for the Big Ten of Michigan State getting that win, 19-16 uh, to 16 over Maryland. Uh, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you okay? We'll go into the defensive stats first. I'm Fuck
0: on the ad, it wouldn't play. Oh,
1: dude, look at that pouch! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Josh Jackson for Maryland 11 to 27, 141 yards for a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Anthony McFarland eight carries, 134 yards for a touchdown. So, a big day on the ground for him. And... The leading receiver for Maryland, Dante Demas Jr., seven catches and 96 yards for a touchdown. And for Michigan State, Brian Lewerke, most overrated quarterback in the Big Ten, is 30 of 41, 342 yards with two interceptions. Elijah Collins, 15 carries, 41 yards. And Cody White leading the receiving tear for Michigan State at four carries, 84 yards. So, I don't know. It's kind of a whole hum game there. Michigan State, Maryland, 19-16. Uh, Michigan State gets to go bowling. Maryland started out ranked and dumpster fire at the end at 3-9. and nine. So, I'm glad that Nebraska is not the only one that was ranked and ended the season as a dumpster fire. So, uh, let's go ahead and preview the Big Ten championship game for, I guess, what you can preview it for of Wisconsin Ohio State. Um. Do you think anything other than Ohio State winning by three touchdowns is
0: gonna to happen? Uh no. I mean, the Ohio State's already blown them out at the beginning of the year, what was it 38 to 7? Yeah. So in, in
1: the horseshoe, but I mean, I, Ohio State already has a line of 16 and a half, and Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins don't give me any reason not to think Ohio State's just gonna roll over Wisconsin into the college football playoff.
0: But so I, I don't know if you if you saw during the Ohio State uh, Michigan game, but They showed the numbers that J.K. Dobbins had against the top three defenses in rushing, if not the top defenses, and he just blows them out of the water. So, I mean, even if Justin Fields has an all-right day, J.K. Dobbins is going to dominate that that line of scrimmage. There's just too
1: many weapons for Ohio State. Uh, Urban Meyer built a juggernaut. Everyone wanted to go play at Ohio State. That was the problem.
0: Yeah, maybe Wisconsin game plans a little bit better, and they hold them like two touchdowns, but I don't – Ohio State's winning this one. There's no doubt about that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's – I think early it's going to be a slugfest, but I think by the mid-third quarter, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins come off the field. I think that's how bad it's going to be. Um, I
0: don't think it would be that bad. I think it would be interesting.
1: but I do. I and If there's Wisconsin fans listening to the podcast, they might shut me off now, but that's fine. Go ahead. Wisconsin, you don't stand a chance in this game. Put it on your whiteboard, Wisconsin. Mark Mandry of the Any Given Saturday podcast said you have zero chance to win this football game.
0: So uh so the the Pac 12 one's on Friday, so I won't be able to watch that. So that'd be all you. And then uh Where are you gonna be? I got work.
1: <laughs> you bum.
0: Yeah, so uh be all you to watch that one, kind of give highlights on that one. Yeah, I'll be watching that game.
1: Oh, wait. Nope, I'll be at Bible study.
0: That's gay. All right, well. So, I mean, then Saturday is the big game I'll be at for the parade. what parade? Festival of Lights parade
1: downtown Colorado Springs for yeah. that one. Yeah, family tradition, man. I'll be there. I'll watch. I'll, I'll check the stats, but I'm not actually gonna be able to sit down and watch every down. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm a family man. You know this. Like, I still watch the games, but I'm not gonna be able to sit down in front of my TV like a lazy bum. So I got I got family shit to do, man.
0: So now that um. Now will get into something else that's not so depressing. <laughs> uh, with the with the uh, shakeup happening with uh, Alabama losing, uh, how do you think the uh, top four are going to be for this week going into Championship Week?
1: Unchanged. Unchanged? Unchanged, because Georgia didn't lose. So unfortunately, um...
0: do you see uh, Dabo Sweeney's rant mm-hmm. about? Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was perfect.
1: It is that is good that I mean it's it's whiteboard material every time they get picked against but
0: um no 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 I'm talking about how um I said that uh that the the CFB committee was finding any reason to to pull them off the uh top 4 list for uh, losing to South not for not beating South Carolina by by enough but that's a team that beat Georgia and what are they they're ranked number 4
1: yeah, yeah, no. It's, it
0: has SEC bias. Everyone sees it. It's just sad.
1: It is. But what I see is they're not going to knock Georgia down because you you can't knock a team down after they lose. What I would like to see is I would like to see Georgia knock down to five uh, and Utah or Oklahoma take over that number four spot just to kind of give them, like, hey, if you win your championship, you're in. Kind of yeah. give some clarity to. Yeah,
0: I think I think Utah already kind of has that vibe. I mean, if, if Utah's not ranked number five this time, I think it's gonna be kind of ridiculous. Uh, like I
1: said, I think it'll I think it'll show that Pac-12 bias um, that the committee has of they don't want to put a Pac-12 team in, into the college football playoff because they don't see the Pac-12 as a big Power Five conference. But what I see is Utah, um, Utah going to five. Oklahoma's gonna be six, Baylor's gonna be like eight, and Penn State's gonna be nine or something like that. Just whatever. I, I think but, Baylor beats Oklahoma in the championship game, to be honest with you. I don't. I, I'm I'm taking Oklahoma man. I,
0: Baylor had that game outright until the fourth quarter. And until just Justin their, Fields just, took over the game and Oklahoma or, is or Jalen. Hurts. Hurts.
1: Yeah. I always get them too. Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields mixed up. But um I I think Baylor moves up to eight. Oklahoma moves up to six. Utah's five, top four is unchanged. Um, I actually, I might. There is a little change. I see LSU taking back the number one spot. I don't know if you saw what they did to Texas A&M.
0: They fucking destroyed. They them. embarrassed Texas A&M. And that—that's a team that. Uh, that's a good team. That's a team that almost beat Georgia too. That's, that shows that's you a how bad. That shows you how bad Georgia is. Mm-hmm.
1: Georgia's not good. Like I said, I don't know if he'll text me when I say this again, but you know. I risked pissing my first iron off. Uh, Georgia is not a top-four football team.
0: They are not. Uh, and then uh, some some other news coming out of Northwestern that we didn't get to really go over. Uh, Mike McCall – my bad. Mick McCall is uh, out for uh, Northwestern, so they're out to get a, a yep. new OC and quarterbacks coach going in the off season. They need a whole new regime out there in Northwestern. Isn't it crazy, though? Because, oh, it was the last year they had, like – they won the West
1: last year. Yeah, I was gonna say they, they, they won dominated. the West. They didn't dominate. They won the West, but I think they still had four losses. They just they got in because Wisconsin dropped a couple games and um, Iowa dropped a couple games. Uh, so like they 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 kind of snuck in to the Big Ten championship game and Northwest dude lay off the blue moons, bro. Um, they kind of snuck into the Big Ten championship game last year. Um. They definitely didn't deserve to be there, and Ohio State definitely made it known last year that they were not meant to be there. So I don't know, man. It's 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 gonna be an interesting uh, interesting week next week to kind of recap the championship games. And do you kind of want to break our, our special guest next week, or do you want me to?
0: Who's our special guest?
1: Big Joe. Big Joe already said he's committed to it. So we're going to have a ex-West Point football player and Patrick Joseph. He's going to come on to the podcast next week and uh, he's going to get us hyped up. We're going to kind of cover the conference games and where we see the college football playoff kind of landing. And then we're going to get you guys hyped up for the only football game the next weekend of Army-Navy. And if you guys haven't caught on in the last, what, five, six episodes that we've had that we're both military, we're both Army, and uh, I I think that's, it, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be fun to do, hype up and, oh, dude, ah, speaking of Army-Navy, I got to tell you about the bet. All right. So as you know, my wife's Navy, right? So my wife was in the Navy for five years. Uh, I've been in the Army nine years. And every year we watch the Army-Navy game. It's a religious thing, and we like to just, like, kind of rag on each other. And every year we make a bet. So it started out as, like, who cooks dinner, who does dishes, or um, who goes down on each other first, that kind of thing, right? This time we up the ante. You have to be the enforcer on this bet, Norwood. You do. If Army wins, Megan has to go into a tattoo shop and get the Army logo tattooed on her arm, where I have my Nebraska logo. If Navy wins, I have to get the Navy midshipman logo tattooed on my ass. So you have to be the enforcer on this t- on this bet, because Army's gonna win this football game, and I want Megan to get the Army tattoo on her. It has
0: to happen. So you have to be the enforcer. So I I, I was actually up so late that I got to see part of the Army versus Hawaii game. Oh, they you,
1: got beat bad, dude.
0: They, I didn't get to, I gone. didn't get the I didn't I just watched like maybe a couple minutes of it because I was up so late, but I was like. I always forget that Hawaii is so far back in time than us. Mm-hmm. That it's like mid after uh or like mid midnight pretty much or like their mid afternoon. But uh <coughs> now Army actually still has a chance to uh It's
1: Army Navy. It's going to be a close football game. It I is, think but, Army pulls it out.
0: But uh Army still has a chance to to bring home the Commander in Chief trophy. They just can't put a uh put their names on it cuz they lost to the Air Force, but since Navy beat Air Force, if they beat Navy they get to, they get to take home the Commander's in Chief trophy. Yeah, so, so. I,
1: I need you to be the enforcer on this, on this Batman because I cannot wait to see Megan's face when she has the Army logo on her arm. Like, I cannot wait. Oh, my God, she'll never wear a tank top again in her life. It's going <laughs> to, I love seeing her in a tank top, but she'll never wear it again because that Army logo is going to be loud and pre- And it's not a small one. Like, we're not going, like, quarter size. Like, I told her it's, it's this size. Like, we're going big, dude. It's. I'm dropping a hundred bucks on this tattoo. Like I'm going for it, man. I cannot wait. And if I get the Navy, and one thing she doesn't know, and, and she'll find out when she listens to podcasts, um, is if I have to get the Navy logo underneath it, I'm putting Navy spouse, 2011 to 2016. I'm doing it. I'm doing
0: it, man. <laughs> but yeah, that, that that'll either be a really good game or it's gonna be a, uh, a blowout by, by a Navy. It's matter. not always a good game. Navy used to blow out Army pretty bad.
1: Like one or two years, but no, nah, it was didn't
0: in. I it can't. was a streak.
1: Well, yeah, we'll get more into it next week. Uh, just kind of like a kind of a little background on him before he comes in is he's uh, he's my lieutenant. He's a good dude. Um, he went to West Point, played football there. Uh, actually, sat at McMillan's house. Had dinner at his, at his house right before he went to basic training, all that good stuff. So he knows it. McMillan,
0: the coach. That's no, not who is it? McMullen? No, it's not. It's uh oh man, you're gonna you're gonna make me sound like a retard. It's not McMullen, though. Uh, it's not Mick was McMullen, McMullen the one before? I don't know. What's point? Come on, come on, come on.
1: Munkin. The listeners, Munchkin, Munchkin. There, I knew it. Monken, Monken. Yeah, there Jeff it is. Munkin. Okay, there you go. By the way, do you know that he's like the third, second, or third highest paid coach in college football? Did you know that? There's no way he is. I swear to God. Joseph told me that. He's like he he's up there. He's uh, and then uh, West Point actually, it was a coach before him, if I'm not mistaken, and I'll ask Pat when he comes on next week. Is uh. They built him a house on West Point. See, now you – college basketball. Coach K is obviously the highest. He's not anywhere in there. Well, he lied to me then. Well, that's the last time I take somebody's (laughs) – he might be like the highest paid in Army history or something like that. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean,
0: he's done a lot for the Army program.
1: He said he was up there. He was like the second or third highest in college football. But, all right, well – I'm going to blast him for that on tomorrow morning at PT. I'm going to freaking destroy him for that. Dude, he's not even in the top 25.
0: Lovey Smith's ahead of him. Jesus. Scott Frost. Yeah, my boy.
1: Greatest coach in college football. Yeah, he's not even in the top 25. Jesus.
0: Uh, I don't even... Navy... He he gets paid a lot, the Navy coach. Well, what's his salary then?
1: Oh, That's it why. It doesn't have, doesn't have it. I, okay, so he might be
0: right. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt.
1: Let's give him the benefit of the doubt.
0: I don't see why they wouldn't have it because they have Clay Helens. And usually for private universities, they don't release the uh, – um, compensation Pay. yeah well like i said let's give him the benefit of the doubt because it's not listed maybe all right a
1: quick google, google yeah just google it jeff munkin salary uh yeah go to that one this one yeah net worth salary and earnings let's see Head football coach of the army. He was born in the nineteen sixties. Jesus Christ, he's old. He's an Aries. Good for him. My wife's an Aries. Pending under review. Yeah, no, they're. I don't think they're going to release it.
0: I don't think he's one of the highest. There's definitely because you're not going to. That's be, what you're not going to be higher than Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, but do you want to go coach at Army? You know what I mean. I mean, it depends. I mean, because he he came out from that that whole system of the triple option, which is what the uh, the military academies are like well known for. Oh yep. See there you go. Yeah, he's he's not near the top, because most of the dudes at the top are at least making a million.
1: Let's see. Let's see what his contract is.
0: It just said seven years.
1: Yeah, seven years, seven point two million. Yeah, he's, he's not even towards the top. Okay, nah. all right. Well,
0: remind me tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna freaking blast Pat over that. So, uh, well, we just wasted a lot of time talking about that. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, after after championship week, Army Navy week is gonna be pretty much the only thing going on in college football. It's the only game happening that Saturday. So, be interesting. Uh, hopefully, next week we have some more news. On coaches and uh, the coaching carousel Especially that's going on. Especially
1: Clay Helton, I'm really interested to see how this this pans out. With we Clay
0: should Helton. we should have an answer. Like I said, if not tonight, then tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I literally just looked like five minutes ago. There's still nothing. Out yeah, yet. so it's
0: probably not going to be announced till tomorrow whether they're going to retain him or not. Um, like I said, Mike Bowen had a uh, fly back from Ohio tonight. There was a team meeting at 5:30, so I mean, nothing came out of that. So we, who knows how that went, but uh. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of uh, changes going on. Uh, just saw ASU is uh front runner for one of the uh, uh, player development people from Oregon. Uh, I think it's Patrick Wills or something like that to look at it. But A
1: lot of people are flocking to that ASU program, man. Watch out. Them devils are coming. I, I
0: tell you, I, I, I think 9-3 and three is is going to be a a, a log- logical outcome for them next year. Mm-hmm. I think that's the ceiling. I think the worst case scenario they go seven and five, but I think from seven to five to nine and three is is their is their range. Now if they do better than that, they do better than that. But I just I, it it all depends on who coaches at USC too.
1: Yeah, I mean they they play there with USC, but it also depends if Utah can continue their their streak of.
0: Uh, oh, I I don't know if I mean Utah is going to be good next year, but uh, a lot of the seniors are what are carrying the, um, uh, what do you call it? Carrying the team right now. And yeah. so I think once they leave, it's going to be, I mean, cause Kyle Whittingham and, uh, Mike Leach have the least amount of talent, uh, in the pac 12. They're more of developmental guys and, uh, just kind of working with what they got.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see where, where the devils come in next year. Um, this is me kind of signing off as, as a Husker fan for the year. Uh, our season's over. Um, our hopes kind of got dashed when Michigan State got that sixth win of us getting in as a 5-7 and seven team. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I don't care what you say. I said we were going to shelf this. I'm bringing it back for one last little bit before we sign off. Is uh, Nebraska, we're going to be back. I, I promise you. Um, I believe in Scott Frost. I believe in what he's building out there. I believe in... Because he,
0: he, he's actually losing some of the fan base right now because he just keeps making the same excuses at every loss.
1: He's losing a fan base if you're outside of being a Husker fan. Nah, because... I, I can tell you right now, I'm part nah. of enough Husker groups that there'll be like the one or two anomalies that'll post on on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram saying... Fire Scott Frost, and there's like 232 comments of saying "Get the fuck out of here! You're not a real Nebraska fan." Get out I, I I'm not Scott. talking about the
0: fire ne- Scott Frost thing. I'm talking about them losing faith in uh, no, his coaching because you can't yeah. keep you can't keep making the same excuse after every loss. That, that's such bullshit. You're not making that same excuse when you're blowing out Maryland.
1: No, but when we blew out Maryland, he. He didn't make an excuse, but he definitely said that this team performed the way they were supposed to perform. And yeah, he you, still yeah, put you it on the players. So you can't just say that he's, he's consistent about talking about the players.
0: I, I, I think he's a sorry ass fucking coach at this point.
1: I don't. And, I, and I think he's
0: and if he comes back next year, then I'll take back my words. But I just I, you you've had two full years coaching your team.
1: Dude, let, let me show you this before because that time that you're seeing there is look at all the breaks that we have. Let me show you this. Uh, we got, we got time.
0: It doesn't matter though. There's like no, every no, no, coach no. inherits shitty players. Like that's that's Let, it's, let, it's, let
1: it's just... me show you why. Like I'm nervous. I'm nervous about. I'm nervous about next year, and this is why. So our first seven games, we got Purdue, Central Michigan, South Dakota, Cincinnati, Northwestern, Illinois, Cincinnati Rutgers. Ain't no joke either. Now, we'll we'll fucking barrel roll Cincinnati. They, they, no, you're not coming in as a Big Five program into Lincoln and winning. It's not happening. So these first seven games right here, it's pretty probable that we go seven and zero. Right, I could see us going seven and zero. But then you get into the back half of our schedule. At Ohio State, Penn State comes into town. We go to Iowa. We go to Wisconsin, and then Minnesota comes to town. Seven and five. Unfortunately, seven and zero will be ranked. We'll be in like the college football playoff schedule, and we we could lose those last five games.
0: So I, I don't think you uh, go seven and zero at that schedule. I mean, if it, 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 and like that's just realistic mindset because regardless of what you say about Cincinnati, Cincinnati is a well coached team.
1: That game actually worries me. I'm not even going to lie to you. South Dakota State is good. No, but, no, no, I'm not even Yeah, thinking. no, no.
0: I, I get what you're saying. Then That's where uh,
1: uh, – no, he came out of
0: North, North Dakota, Dakota State. North Dakota State, yeah. Uh,
1: I like how you knew what I was about to say. Yeah,
0: I, I knew a college football. And then, uh, so, I would say if your defense isn't fixed, to start the year against Purdue is going to be an uh, eye-opener because that's a passing attack team. Yeah. But so, I, def- I definitely think you can get – Six to, I think you can come out there with six wins guaranteed, but I think there's at least one of those teams, Cincinnati or Illinois, yep, that's going to give you a problem. Um,
1: but we have them both at home. Like our the road games that we have is you only have one Northwestern and Rutgers. You know we go and, and you don't know
0: how Rutgers are going to come out uh next year either because
1: with Greg Siano, I I think they're going to be improved, but they're not going to be there. Yeah, yet.
0: I, I I think Nebraska has a high chance of winning that game, but I just think that. It's gonna be like how it was this year for us. Remember how we we thought Nebraska had a chance of just dominating the Big Ten and coming in and, and yeah.
1: If you looked at this year's schedule, all of our tough games were at home, and we dropped four home games this year. So, I'm I'm not saying that.
0: I'm just saying like I'm hey, not saying we. You are don't know be what to 7-0. expect right now.
1: We're not going. I'm not saying we are going to be 7-0, but we have a high probability of going to that Ohio State game seven and zero, and then getting blown out by Ohio State or Ohio State. Ryan Day starts getting his players in there and has a fall-off
0: that we expected this year, but he's been playing with Urban's players. Not because they still have Justin Fields. If you, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's just the nature of the piece. Yeah. I just think the Big Ten is a really hard conference. I think it's yeah, probably the second playing, best in the nation.
1: We're playing the toughest players, the toughest teams aside from bitch-ass Michigan in the last five games. Like, those last five games right there are going to tell a lot of people, including myself, because I'm a diehard Husker fan. I'm a Scott Frost believer. But if we go through those five games and we lose them all, and we're not competitive in at least four of the five games, that's when I'm going to start losing my faith in Scott Frost.
0: So I, I think Penn State, you can be competitive in. Iowa, you can be competitive in. And Minnesota, you can be competitive in. Wisconsin, if, uh, oh man, what's that? Jonathan Taylor comes back next year? I, I don't see that. He's the, not. You not never he, know. No, you he's never going to the know. League. He's absolutely going to the league. You never know so i don't
1: know it'll be interesting that's definitely something that we will shelf um because something i want to do on this podcast is i want to go through game by game i literally like this this is my idea for the off season and let me know what
0: you think is there's a lot of well now we're cutting in. let's not need to say this on this thing
1: no no no. there is absolutely um and i want to hear your kind of i want to go game by game of nebraska schedule and then i want to go game by game by usc's schedule and literally devote an entire episode to each because yeah, it's can, in the off do, season. We
0: could do it for all the teams in the conference. Actually. I mean, we
1: could but We'll but start off with ours. Yeah. I think we should go into ours and then just kind of touch in on recruiting because it's going to be tough. Cause we're going to be separated. Um, which I'm still sad about if you can't tell, but it is what it is, man. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of get into that in the off season. So that, that, Kind of concludes uh, the regular
0: season for the Any Given Saturday podcast. So, but the, I guess, I guess, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a sad day. Any Given Saturday podcast is, uh, Winding done with down. the, yeah, done, done with the, uh, regular season. But one thing for, uh, USC next year is their first games against Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's why a Don't lot Don't let up 40 <laughs> points. Yeah, that, that's why a lot of people want, uh, Urban Meyer or uh, Matt Rule or PJ Fleck to come in. There's someone that actually is a competent coach. And PJ
1: Fleck isn't coming.
0: He's still on the table.
1: Dude, he just signed a he, uh, an extension.
0: Hey, you can sign whatever you want. No, oh my God, buyouts. That's, that's all it takes is the buyout. And Tro- Trojans boosters have money. Oh,
1: well, yeah, they're in that Southern California bracket. but
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, don't count on anything until, it, until they say something tomorrow or sometime this week. Whenever the word comes out, that's when we'll know.
1: Alright, man. Send us home.
0: All right. That's Mark. Yep. You're not gonna say go big red?
1: No, because you trashed on my Huskers the entire No,
0: I, I didn't try. I think the Huskers are a, a good team. I just think Scott Frost's play calling at the end of the game was trash. Because I, I it's like what, third and so, like third and twelve or something like that. And you have a QB run. Retarded.
1: They'll never see it coming.
0: <laughs> they did. <laughs> They saw that come from a mile away. All right, Go I'm on. Brennan. Fight on. Have a good week. Go Big Red. And enjoy what is to come with the conference championships.